section twenty seven of heroines of fiction by william dean howells this librivox recording is in the public domain anthony trollope's lucy robarts and griselda grantly anthony trollope was the author of thirty-nine or forty novels relating nearly all of them to the contemporary english society life which he seems to have known better than any other english novelist out of the whole number the novels which will come first to the reader's mind are those relating to clerical society as it existed during the eighteen fifties and sixties in the imaginary cathedral town of barchester and but for the explicit denial in his autobiography one might next have said that he had made an exhaustive study of the bishops deans archdeacons canons vicars and curates tutti quanti with their wives sisters aunts and cousins in the whole variety of their duties and pleasures joys and sorrows hopes and fears he was at the trouble to assure his believers however that he did not specifically or scientifically know the types he makes so interesting and was only their casual and involuntary observer yet such is the inherent evidence against him that we must regard his pretence as the foible of a writer who would rather be thought inspired than informed and whose caprice it was to prefer the reputation of having made a lot of lucky guesses to that of having made a series of careful studies he had several foibles that poor anthony trollope who wrote so much better of english life than any one except jane austen and george eliot but who wished to write like thackeray he copied thackeray's most offensive and inartistic confidential attitude though he knew him and had the courage to pronounce him false to certain aspects of english society he says frankly that he never met any such people among the nobility and gentry as the marquis of steyne and sir pitt crawley he apparently met many others quite as vulgar and wicked but not these self-evident caricatures and exaggerations and he is the more to be trusted because he is so honest about their vulgarity and wickedness he does not mock or scourge his bad aristocrats as thackeray does there is nothing of the satirist in him and he is all the more impressive as a moralist because he contents himself with simply letting us see them as they are he has no apparent purpose of reforming them at times you have from him the notion that reform of any sort among the hierarchy or nobility might constitute a danger to society and would be worth less than it would cost he even imparts a sense of such entire approval of society conditions such unquestioning fealty to the existing order that you hardly know whether to admire more the skill with which he portrays it or the seriousness with which he accepts it and honours it one framley parsonage is almost a typical novel of the sort which displays trollope's distinguishing strength and weakness and i think myself it is a most delightful story running its course through a variety of characteristic incident and prospering finally in the happy marriage of the first heroine lucy robarts and the brilliant marriage of the second heroine griselda grantly as no reader of the story can have forgotten lucy is the daughter of a successful country doctor and the pretty young sister of rev mark robarts 
whom lady lufton has given the living of framley because her son and he have always been friends and because in her rather high and mighty but perfectly kind and conscientious way she has loved him from his boyhood she is willing to love his pretty young sister too in a way when she comes to the parsonage after the doctor's death but it is no part of her plan that young lord lufton her son shall love lucy robarts rather more than he has ever loved her brother this is what happens however and the facts which lucy has to face if she accepts lord lufton are the deep displeasure and disappointment of lady lufton who means her son for griselda grantly or if she rejects him the still deeper displeasure and disappointment of lord lufton she will share the displeasure in lady lufton's case for she does not feel it quite right to come and get her son away and in lord lufton's case she will share the disappointment for she is as much in love with him as he is with her the natural thing for a romantic girl to do is to deny her love since lord lufton will not take any other sort of no for an answer and the natural thing for a sensible girl to do is to confess it when her lover has sufficiently insisted lucy being both romantic and sensible does both these natural things in the succession indicated and all ends well she never ceases to be little and dark if pretty and so far inadequate to her rank and griselda grantly never ceases to be tall and fair and cold and most suitable for the wife and mother of aristocracy but since lord lufton will not have griselda in spite of her willingness and will most passionately and perversely have lucy in spite of her unwillingness his mother reconciles herself so thoroughly to the inevitable that with the lapse of time she comes almost to feel as if she had promoted the marriage Two, the pretty story is told in the plainest and openest way with quite miraculous impartiality concerning the rights and duties of all concerned and with due consideration for their feelings and opinions there is a current of tragedy but not the darkest tragedy running through it from the financial follies of mark robarts to his just but not desperate moral sufferings and all the rest is love comedy just enough shadowed by passing doubt to keep the reader from relaxing in perpetual sunshine lord lufton is such a lover as any girl romantic or sensible or both might be glad to have being satisfied that he is in love with lucy he has no other idea than to win her and he goes as promptly and directly about it as possible without any of the fine scruples concerning other people which distract the girl his mother is all very well as the means of bringing a lord lufton into the world and he loves and honours her as a good son should but a lord lufton has duties to himself in the choice of a wife that he cannot let even a mother contravene he therefore puts her and her purposes of griselda grantly kindly but firmly aside and having noticed that lucy no longer comes to his mother's house and otherwise avoids meeting him he goes to the parsonage to find out why he asks her and it presently comes to her saying the world will say that i the parson's sister set my cap at the young lord and that the young lord had made a fool of me the world shall say no such thing said lord lufton very imperiously ah but it will you can no more stop it than king canute could the waters your mother has interfered wisely to spare me from this and the only favour that i can ask you is that you will spare me also and then she got up 
stop lucy he said putting himself between her and the door it must not be lucy any longer lord lufton i was madly foolish when i first allowed it by heavens but it shall be lucy lucy before all the world my lucy my own lucy my heart's best friend and chosen love lucy there is my hand how long you may have had my heart it matters not to say now the game was at her feet now and no doubt she felt her triumph her ready wit and speaking lip not her beauty had brought him to her side and now he was forced to acknowledge that her power over him had been supreme sooner than leave her he would risk all she did feel her triumph but there was nothing in her face to tell him that she did so as to what she would now do she did not for a moment doubt he had been precipitated into the declaration he had made not by his love but by his embarrassment she had thrown in his teeth the injury which he had done her and he had then been moved by his generosity to repair that injury by the noblest sacrifice which he could make but lucy robarts was not the girl to accept a sacrifice he had stepped forward as though he were going to clasp her round the waist but she receded and got beyond the reach of his hand lord lufton she said when you are more cool you will know that this is wrong the best thing for both of us now is to part lucy do you mean that you cannot learn to love me i mean that i shall not try do not persevere in this or you will have to hate yourself for your own folly but i will persevere till you accept my love or say with your hand on your heart that you cannot and will not love me then i must beg you to let me go and having so said she paused while he walked once or twice hurriedly up and down the room and lord lufton she continued if you will leave me now the words that you have spoken shall be as though they had never been uttered i care not who knows that they have been uttered the sooner that they are known to all the world the better i shall be pleased unless indeed think of your mother lord lufton what can i do better than give her as a daughter the best and sweetest girl i have ever met when my mother really knows you she will love you as i do lucy say one word to me of comfort you have no right to press me any further she said and sat down upon the sofa with an angry frown upon her forehead by heavens he said i will take no such answer from you till you put your hand upon your heart and say that you cannot love me oh why should you press me so lord lufton why because my happiness depends upon it because it behooves me to know the very truth it has come to this that i love you with my whole heart and i must know how your heart stands towards me she had now again risen from the sofa and was looking steadily in his face lord lufton she said i cannot love you and as she spoke she did put her hand as he had desired upon her heart then god help me for i am very wretched good-bye lucy and he stretched out his hand to her good-bye my lord do not be angry with me no 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 and without further speech he left the room and the house and hurried home and when he was well gone absolutely out of sight from the window lucy walked steadily up to her room locked the door and then threw herself on the bed why oh why had she told such a falsehood could anything justify her in a lie was it not a lie knowing as she did that she loved him with all her loving heart but then his mother and the sneers of the world which would have declared that she had set her trap and caught the foolish young lord her pride would not have submitted to that strong as her love was yet her pride was perhaps stronger stronger at any rate during that interview three following the scene with lord lufton there is a mighty pretty passage between lucy robarts 
and her sister-in-law to whom she owns the love that she denied to lord lufton i should like to give it all but perhaps i had better send my readers to the novel for it they will thank me for sending them to the novel upon any excuse when they have read it well no it has been all my own fault though for the life of me fanny going back and back i cannot see where i took the first false step i do not know where i went wrong one wrong thing i did and it is the only thing that i do not regret what was that lucy i told him a lie and what has he said to you lucy what only this that he asked me to be his wife lord lufton proposed to you here standing here on this very spot on that flower of the carpet he begged me a dozen times to be his wife i wondered whether you and mark would let me cut it out and keep it and what answer did you make to him i lied to him and told him that i did not love him you refused him yes i refused a live lord there is some satisfaction in having that to think of is there not fanny was i wicked to tell that falsehood had i thought that it was good for him that he would not have repented i would have braved anything for his sake even your frown for you would have frowned you would have thought it sacrilege for me to marry lord lufton you know you would mrs robarts hardly knew how to say what she thought or indeed what she ought to think what would lady lufton say or think or feel what would she say and think and feel as to that parsonage from which so deadly a blow would fall upon her would she not accuse the vicar and the vicar's wife of the blackest ingratitude would life be endurable at framley under such circumstances as those what you tell me so surprises me that i hardly as yet know how to speak about it said mrs robarts and you would not accept his love no i would have nothing to say to it look you i stood here and putting my hand upon my heart for he bade me do that i said that i could not love him and what then he went away without look as though he were heartbroken he crept away slowly saying that he was the most wretched soul alive for a minute i believed him and could almost have called him back but no fanny do not think that i am over-proud or conceited about my conquest he had not reached the gate before he was thanking god for his escape that i do not believe this passage develops the character of lucy robarts as it remains with the reader and reveals in her the strain of humour which still does not render her finally rebellious against the social situation as the author's humour does not render him rebellious both author and heroine accede to it though they both fully recognise its absurdity and are aware of its injustice in fact the attitude of the characters in all of trollope's books and the attitude of trollope himself is one of asiatic submission to the established order of things mixed with a strictly anglo-saxon freedom of speech concerning it so that the more democratised american is scarcely more amazed at the one than at the other no people with less than the english good sense could prevent their social conditions from working more harm than they do no people with so much good sense ever abandon themselves to a status in which the outsider sees no sense at all but the law and the gospel of trollope a prophet of as clear vision as need be is that the thing which is must be and that every one concerned must conform to it in mind and conscience as wisely and decently as possible it is an immensely frank race and what trollope does is to show it with a frankness equalled by that of no other novelist with a cold-bloodedness and absence of disagreeable consciousness which almost command respect Four. nothing could be more respectable than the open understanding so impossible to two american mothers between 
lady lufton and mrs archdeacon grantly that lord lufton and griselda grantly should be brought together in such circumstances that the young man shall offer himself and the young girl shall accept him the intended lovers are themselves in the plot which miscarries because lord lufton not caring for griselda to begin with sees lucy robarts at his mother's house where he is meant to see no one but griselda and falls in love with lucy griselda is so purely and entirely of her world that she finds no offence to her personal dignity and maidenly modesty in being put in a young man's way for him to fall in love with that is a perfectly right and proper arrangement when he will not fall in love with her she merely resents it in a brief cold anger and makes haste to accept another nobleman of higher rank and greater wealth than lord lufton trollope has shown no greater mastery than in the handling of this girl's passive egotism and dull glacial self-sufficiency it is only such as most abjectly submit themselves to the world that most dominated at last and in the different books that record griselda grantly's progress we see her grow naturally and logically almost inevitably from an unimpulsive unresponsive young girl into a great lady of fashion a ruler in society she is always rather stupid and she never does or says anything to win her way to social supremacy it may be said that this supremacy comes to her because she is fit for it and knows how to keep it without the least pains or inconvenience she is really in her cold but perfectly adequate nullity a wonderful achievement and she is from first to last the same but she is so null so negative that it is difficult to choose any passage which shall dramatically impart the notion of her but the conversation which her mother has with her when mrs grantly comes to see her at lady lufton's london house and to find out how the land lies with regard to lord lufton may serve at least as well as another toward the middle of this conversation the mother had to be frank since the daughter would not be what i particularly wanted to say to you was this i think you should know what are the ideas which lady lufton entertains her ideas said griselda who had never troubled herself much in thinking about other people's thoughts yes griselda while you were staying down at framley court and also i suppose since you have been up here in bruton street you must have seen a good deal of lord lufton he doesn't come very often to bruton street that is to say not very often of course he cannot be at home now as much as he was down in the country when he was living in the same house said mrs grantly whose business it was to take lord lufton's part at the present moment he must be at his club and at the house of lords and in twenty places he is very fond of going to parties and he dances beautifully i'm sure he does i have seen as much as that myself and i think i know some one with whom he likes to dance and the mother gave her daughter a loving little squeeze do you mean me mamma yes i do mean you my dear and is it not true lady lufton says that he likes dancing with you better than with any one else in london i don't know said griselda looking down upon the ground but young ladies must think of such things must they not must they mamma i suppose they do don't they the truth is griselda that lady lufton thinks that if can you guess what it is she thinks no mamma but that was a fib on griselda's part she thinks that my griselda would make the best possible wife in the world for her son and i think so too i think that her son will be a very fortunate man if he can get such a wife and now what do you think griselda i don't think anything mamma you don't think anything but my darling you must think you must make up your mind what would be your answer if lord lufton were to propose to you that is what lady lufton wishes him to do but he never will mamma and if he did 
but i'm sure he never will he doesn't think of such a thing at all and 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 what my dear i don't know mamma lord lufton thinks a great deal more of lucy robarts than he does of of, of any one else i believe said griselda showing now some little animation by her manner dumpy little black thing that she is lucy robarts lord lufton of course is bound to be civil to any young lady in his mother's house and i am quite sure that he has no other idea whatever with regard to miss robarts i certainly cannot speak as to her intellect for i do not think she opened her mouth in my presence but oh she has plenty to say for herself when she pleases she is a sly little thing as the reader will have seen griselda was quite right and indeed the one quality she had in positive measure was a subtle cunning such as in higher minds serves the purposes of divination she was equal through this and through an absence of all tenderness to most of the exigencies of life not through principle but the want of it she was able philosophically to endure things that wring the heart and break the spirit of other people after her engagement to lord dumbello while she was at her father's house actively superintending the preparation of her trousseau there came a rumour which seemed only too well founded that her betrothed had gone to paris to break off the engagement and her father decided on going up to london to see about it susan said the archdeacon to his wife just as he was starting at this moment neither of them was in the happiest spirits i think i would say a word of caution to griselda do you feel so much doubt about it as that said mrs grantly on the next morning mrs grantly with much cunning preparation went about the task which her husband had left her to perform it took her long to do for she was very cunning in the doing of it but at last it dropped from her in words that there was a possibility a bare possibility that some disappointment might even yet be in store for them do you mean mamma that the marriage will be put off i don't mean to say that i think it will god forbid but it is just possible i dare say that i am very wrong to tell you of this but i know that you have sense enough to bear it papa has gone to london and we shall hear from him soon then mamma i had better give them orders not to go on with the marking i should be puzzled to point out a line in which i thought the artist had gone wrong in this extraordinary portrait if he had done nothing else it would be sufficient to prove him a master and it is only one of many masterpieces it must have been one of the most difficult to do because the formula is so very simple not to have mixed other ingredients with the component parts of griselda's character or not to have mixed the original ingredients in disproportion is the highest proof of the artist's mastery she is never caricatured never suffered to transcend the limits of her temperament she is a disagreeable person because she is cold and selfish but she is not unjust and she deserves at the hands of her creator the justice he does her in a final touch and without which perhaps the picture would have wanted perfect relief after her marriage lucy robarts met lady dumbello in london lucy had felt that she had been despised by the rich beauty she also in her turn had disliked if she had not despised her rival but how would it be now lady dumbello could hardly despise her and yet it did not seem possible that they should meet as friends they did meet and lucy came forward with a pretty eagerness to give her hand to lady lufton's late favourite lady dumbello smiled slightly the same old smile which had come across her face when they two had been first introduced in the framley drawing-room the same smile without the variation of a line took the offered hand muttered a word or two and then receded it was exactly as she had done before she had never despised lucy robarts she had accorded to the parson's sister the amount of cordiality with which she usually received her acquaintance and now she could do no more for the peer's wife 
so to the end her perfect congruity is defined end of section twenty seven